Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our program, You've Got to Read This. My name is Jennifer Eisman, and today I'm joined by two of my colleagues, Mairead Stevenson and Danielle Belanger. This afternoon, we hope to inspire your summer reading with our book recommendation, and here's hoping that you will enjoy some of them. We'll take your questions at the end if that's okay with everyone, but please feel free if you have a few comments or things that you want to add into the chat, you can. After the program is over, we will be sending a list of the titles we've discussed today to the reference desk. You can call them and ask to have a copy emailed to you. And that's only if you really need it. And if you can't uh, write down the titles as we're going along. So here's hoping that you enjoy our program today. You've got to read this. I will get things started. My first book that I would like to talk to you about today is called Find Me in Havana, written by Serena Burdock, the best-selling author of The Girls with No Name. It is the dazzling true story of one of Hollywood's best, most celebrated Hispanic actresses and her daughter's search for answers. This book is based on the life of Cuban actress and singer Estelita Rodriguez and her daughter Nina Lopez. It is taken from true events and exclusive interviews that the author had with Nina Lopez herself. It chronicles Estelita's move from Cuba to the U.S. in pursuit of a movie career while juggling her role as a single mother. The story alternates between Estelita and Nina's perspective using a series of letters moving back and forth between the 1930s and present day. Just to give you a bit of historical context, Estelita Rodriguez was born in 1928 in Cuba. There she is on the screen. Uh, she was an actress that was known for the movies Rio Bravo in 1959, The Golden Stallion in 1949, and Belle of Old Mexico in 1950. She was a Cuban-born spitfire who became a favorite of Republic Studios mogul Herbert J. Yates and a spicy addition to a number of Roy Rogers westerns from 1945. While preparing to star in the life story of Lupe Valles, Estelita Rodriguez was found dead in her kitchen in Los Angeles. Her death still remains suspicious today, and even though influenza has been listed, the cause of death was never made public. So there's a lot of mystery surrounding this part of her life. Turning back to the book, Find Me in Havana, from the reader's perspective, Nina is an incredibly selfish woman who, unbeknownst to her, almost destroys her daughter's life by the end of the book. Estelita's life was filled with Hollywood glitz and a continued stream of men. In this story, she goes through three husbands, and all of them did not treat Nina very well. Her daughter always felt like her mother chose her husbands over her. It is a tale of a talented yet complicated woman who was dominated by, men, by the men in her life. It was wonderful to be able to enter the life and minds of both women and see each event is unfolded within their own viewpoints and feelings. Being able to see each half and fusing these images together gives the reader the ultimate image of a complicated, volatile, and passionate mother-daughter relationship. Each woman has their own hopes, dreams, insecurities, and fears. There is this powerful line in the book that Estelita says, what have I taught you about song? That songs transport us. If you have a voice, you are not trapped. And there's a lot of foreshadowing in this statement. It's about the power that women do have if they use their voice 
and ask for what they need or want. I think Estelita loved her daughter very much, but she just didn't know how to connect with her. Estelita doesn't understand Nina, who has grown up in the U.S. with incredibly different experiences and situations. Whereas Estelita was supporting her family on stage at the tender age of nine years old. However, Nina just wanted a mother to love her. She doesn't care about her mother's movie career or even her stardom. As one reviewer pointed out, Find Me in Havana is a sweeping historical account. The Hollywood glamour and the struggles of war will appeal to history fans, while Nina and Estelita's relationship will draw lovers of women's fiction. The true gem in this story is learning how the author developed the tale of real-life Estelita through interviews with her daughter, Nina Lopez. And as I said, she's portrayed on screen right now. If you can see her, there's the, the image of the, the book, Find Me in Havana by Serena Burdock and the lovely Estelita Rodriguez and two of the movies that I mentioned that she starred in, The Golden Stallion and The Bell of Old Mexico. The second book for today is The Mystery of Mrs. Christie by Marie Benedict. Fans of The Secrets We Kept, The Lions of Fifth Avenue, and The Alice Network will enjoy this riveting saga of literary history, suspense, and love gone wrong. In case you're not familiar with her, Marie Benedict is also the author of other best-selling historical fiction like Lady Clementine, The Only Woman in the Room, Carnegie's Maid, and The Other Einstein. The Mystery of Mrs. Christie is about the famous author, Agatha Christie, taking control of her own life and writing herself back into it after years of allowing her husband to chip away at it. Everyone knows Agatha Christie books, but how much do we really know about the woman herself? Agatha Christie was one of the greatest mystery writers of all time and certainly the most prolific. However, in 1926, she was at the center of a mystery as perplexing as any of her fiction, a series of events which sparked one of the biggest and most extensive police hunts in history. This is the backdrop for this story. Her crashed car was discovered in Surrey and the famous author was missing, presumed dead by many for 11 days. Was it a publicity stunt or was there a darker secret involved in this disappearance, which was to affect her for the rest of her life? Well, I'm going to leave you to read the book to find out the answer to that because I don't want to give too much away of the mystery. The story is written intertwining two timelines, one immediately following Agatha Christie's disappearance and the investigation that follows. This is told by Archie Christie and the other starting as the young Agatha falls in love with the dashing Colonel Archibald Christie before World War I and takes the couple up to the disappearance. And this is told from Agatha Christie's point of view. At first, her marriage went along beautifully, but as the months go by, Archibald begins to act more and more strangely. He becomes obsessed with changing her into the perfect wife, but the more she bends to his will, the less satisfied he becomes. And there's a lot of mystery here, so I don't want to, um, again, give away too much of the storyline. The author says something very interesting at the end of the novel in the author notes. She is a rare example of a woman who used her skill to escape the confines of her era. And if this is indeed accurate, it's a very interesting life story. I highly encourage you to read the conversation with the author at the end, which is very illuminating into the research process behind the book. Marie Benedict does a great job of incorporating fact and fiction to give us the story of Agatha Christie's life with Archie Christie. She uses history 
and tools from Christie's own writing to tell us the story of what might have happened. And it isn't until the very end that I realized just how cleverly this story is told. So if for whatever reason you get impatient with it at the beginning, please give it its due diligence and read it to the end. And as I said, really read through the author's notes at the end. They're very, very interesting and illuminating. I knew a lot about the writer, Agatha Christie, but I didn't know too much about her life story. And I didn't even, I didn't, wasn't even aware that she had written an autobiography, which is quite interesting. My final book for today is The Rose Code by the reigning queen of historical fiction, Kate Quinn. She is New York Times bestselling author of The Huntress and The Alice Network. In her latest novel, The Rose Code, she returns with a fantastic World War II story of three female codebreakers at Bleachley Park and the spy they must find after the war is over. When I got the book, I have to say I was really daunted by the fact that it was 624 pages. Uh, and I'm just gonna let that sink in, 624 pages. That's a huge book. Uh, but I have to say I was pleasantly surprised, though, the, the Rose Code just swept me away on this journey through time. The author did a magnificent job of portraying the characters and their lives. I became so immersed in the story, and before you knew it, it was over. And I think this is a true tribute to the author's power as a storyteller. The Rose Code deals with two time periods, the first starting in 1940 and the second taking place in November 1947. In 1940, three women come together and become the closest of friends because of the nature of their work. These women are recruited to work as female code breakers at Bleachley Park, and they are tied together by the secrecy of their work, knowing the Official Secrets Act of 1939 prevents them from speaking to anyone about what they do. The very need for such secrecy throws these women into a friendship as nothing else could. There is the wealthy debutante Olsa, who is in a relationship with Prince Philip of Greece, then there's the hardened and bold Mab, who has pulled herself up by her bootstraps to give herself an education. And finally, there is brilliant but shy, timid Beth, whose mother has demeaned her so much that she thinks she's dumb and worthless. Uh, a disaster eventually tears the women apart, and they stop speaking to each other for several years, until one of them sends a message to the other to that there is, there is or was, and there still is a spy in their former code-breaking group. Near the beginning of the book, there's a very interesting line. Are not there little chapters in everybody's life that seem to be nothing and yet affect all the rest of history? This really does set the tone for the whole book and foreshadows everything else to come. The coming together of these three women was so meaningful to all of them, and then something happens that throws it all into question. And then you, the reader, are left with the profound sense of emptiness and the realization how certain friendships are very important to you and they really do shape the rest of your life. The last sections of the books are tense, action-packed, and will have you on the edge of your seat. I highly recommend this novel to all lovers of historical fiction. You will experience a wonderfully engaging story based on fact. The author, Kate Quinn, clearly does her homework and she paints a vivid image of what life might have been like working as a code breakers during the war. Be sure to read the author's note at the end where she goes into more detail, including the very interesting fact that a certain member of the current royal family has ties to the code breakers at Bleachley Park. This is by far the best historical fiction I've read in a very long time. So those are my three picks for today, which to recap were Find Me in Havana, The Mystery of Mrs. Christie, and The Rose Code. So as you can see, the running theme here was historical 
a fiction featuring real characters or events. Hopefully one of them will appeal to you, but if not, I have a couple of other reading suggestions that I'd like to leave you with. These are on my books to discover or if you will, summer reading list, however you want to, however you want to look at it. So the first one here is called Squeeze Me. And these I'm going to go through rather quickly. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a brief synopsis and why they maybe would appeal to you over the summer. Uh, the first one is Squeeze Me by Carl Heisen. He is, uh, this is from the best-selling author of Skinny Dip and Razor Girl. It's a hilarious new novel of social and political intrigue set against the glittering backdrop of Florida's Palm Beach and revolves around a missing Palm Beach socialite, a wildlife wrangler, and the first lady. So you're thinking pink pearls, a python, and philandering uh, president. If you could use some wild escapism right now, and I'm sure we all can, Hyacin is your guy. And just a word about Carl Hyacin, in case you thinking, ah, this may not be for me. He really he's written close to 15 books. He's an award-winning author. He uh, is based out of Florida. He has uh, his own newspaper column, and I think it's called the uh, Florida Herald. And he's known for writing hysterical, laugh-out-loud fiction that often features um, some sort of environmental or social comment commentary about Florida because he's very passionate about where he comes from. So not to be dismissed, that's Carl Heisen, squeeze me. Uh, next up is The Paris Model uh, by Alexandra Joel. And some of you may have already heard the conversation that, Dara, uh, that my colleague Danielle had with the author uh, a couple of months ago. So I won't give too much away about this story. It is a lush debut novel in the vein of Kathleen Tessero's international bestseller, Elegance. It's about a beautiful woman working as a model for Christiane Dior in post-war Paris, who discovers astonishing secrets about herself and the fabulous people around her. Based on a true story, the Paris model is an unforgettable tale of glamour, family secrets, and heartbreak. Next up is The Chanel Sisters by Judith Little. This is a US Today and Globe and Mail bestseller. It's a novel of survival, love, lost, triumph, and the sisters who changed fashion forever, Antoinette and Gerardelle Coco Chanel, it's beautifully told to the very last page. The Paris Library by Janet Charles. This is named a most anticipated book of the year by Library Journal and Goodreads. It is based on the true World War II story of the heroic librarians at the American Library of Paris. So of course I had to choose it today because it's about librarians. This is an unforgettable story of romance, friendship, family, and the power of literature to bring us together. It's perfect for fans of The Lilac Girls and The Paris Wife. Next up, The Light Seekers by Femi Kadoe. I believe that's how you pronounce the last name, apologies. It's a uh, Nigerian psychologist travels to a remote Southern border town to uncover the truth about the murder of three university students in this original and fast paced thriller. This is an atmospheric, vivid, and beautifully written mystery that oozes with intrigue, and it's a brilliant first novel from the winner of the 2019 UEA Crime Writing Prize. Next up is The Secret French Recipes of Sophie Valero. It's about a disgraced chef rediscovers her passion for food and the roots in this stunning novel, rich in culture and full of delectable recipes. It's a sparkling debut novel, an enticing 
culinary tale will appeal to romance fans and foodies alike. So if you see this running uh, theme here of uh, food and uh, historical fiction, well, I guess you've guessed my reading interests. Next on the list is Hades Argentina by Daniel Lodell. A decade after fleeing for his life, a man is pulled back to Argentina by an undying love. If Lodell's plot sounds like high romance, it is until it isn't. He definitely navigates the underbelly of an oppressive regime where ghosts of the past mingle with survivors. It's a debut novel as impressive as they come. It's tough, it's wily, and it's dreamlike. And with an impressive list of reviews to its credit, this book is one to pick up. The Happiest Girl in the World. This is from the acclaimed author of Mercy House. Comes a gripping new novel about a young woman's dreams of Olympic gymnastic gold and what it takes to reach the top. A word of warning here, it does portray the very disturbing world of women's gymnastics. However, it is one of Good Morning America's best books of, uh, of April. So just a word of warning that there's some parts that can be disturbing. Uh, the Kitchen Front by Jennifer Ryan. This is from the best-selling author of the Chilbury Ladies Choir. Comes an unforgettable novel of a BBC-sponsored wartime cooking competition and the four women who enter for a chance to better their lives. It's certain to appeal to lovers, again, of historical fiction. And what else? More food and more cooking. The House on Vesper Street, uh, on, the House on Vesper Sands, pardon me, is named the most anticipated book by Time, Newsweek, and the Oprah Magazine. And it's named an Indie, indie Next pick, Library Reads pick, and an Amazon Fiction and Literature's Best of the Month. Uh, it is a, a Victorian-inspired mystery, which touches um, on the macabre, so it's not for everyone. It's a bit like The Woman in Black spliced with a Dickens novel. It's funny, it's eerie, it's tender, it's haunting and unsettling. It's smokily atmospheric and fantastically enjoyable. But again, very, uh, very different type of novel, uh, certainly for me to read, so I'm very excited about that one. It's, it's on my hold list. Our Italian Summer by Jennifer Probst. It follows three generations of women on a month-long month tour of Italy as they attempt to repair their troubled relationships. The novel is carried by the rich interactions between the women, as well as the lush Italian landscape, city descriptions, and culinary pleasures. So this is something light and easy for summer. Finally, I'd like to leave you with this last one. It is the whole series by best-selling author Chanel Cleeton, who grew up on stories about her family's exodus from Cuba following the latest Cuban revolution. She has made a career of telling stories about characters who personify the Cuban-American relationship. Um, so there's three books in the series, Next Year in Havana, When We Left Cuba, The Last Train to Key West. Her most recent book from 2021, is The Most Beautiful Girl in Cuba. It's set at the end of the 19th century, and it focuses on three revolutionary women and their fight for freedom. This story is inspired by real-life events and the true story of legendary Cuban woman, Evangelina Cisneros, who changed the course of history. And once again, it's named one of 2021's most anticipated historical novels and best beach reads by Entertainment Weekly, Oprah Magazine, Travel and Leisure, BuzzFeed, and Pop Sugar. So 
So at this time, since I've left, given you, hopefully given you a lot to choose from, I'm now going to turn things over to my colleague, Danielle. Thank you so much, Jen. So you've definitely given us a lot to think about and a lot of great reading suggestions. Thank you. Um, so now it's my turn. I'm excited. I'm excited to share a few recommendations with you for your summer reading. Uh, two of the four authors that I will mainly be focusing on, I'll also be hosting next month on August 11th and August 25th. So the four uh, major titles that I'm going to be speaking to you about uh, a little bit are, try to show my screen here, Of Women and Salt by Gabriela Garcia, The Other Black Girl by Yaki, sorry, uh, Zayika Delilah Harris, Things I Learned from Falling by Claire Nelson, which is a memoir, and uh, Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. So to begin with, um, it's a bit, a bit of a segue of what Jen was just talking about because uh, there is some of Cuba in this one. So the first one I'd like to talk about is Of Women and Salt uh, by Gabriela Garcia. Uh, Gabriela Garcia is the recipient of a Rona Jaffe Foundation Writers Award and a Steinbeck Fellowship from San Jose State University. Her fiction and poetry have appeared in the Best American Poetry, Tin House, Ziziva, Iowa Review, and elsewhere. She received an MFA in fiction from Purdue and lives in the Bay Area. Of Women and Salt is her first novel. Here's a synopsis. In present-day Miami, Jeanette is battling addiction. She's determined to learn more about her family history and her reticent mother, a Cuban immigrant named Carmen, and makes the snap decision to take in the daughter of a neighbor detained by international customs enforcement. Still wrestling with the trauma of displacement, Carmen must process her difficult relationship with her own mother while trying to raise a wayward Jeanette. Steadfast in her quest for understanding, Jeanette travels to Cuba to, to meet her grandmother and reckon with secrets from the past destined to erupt. A Good Morning America pick for April, an instant New York Times bestseller that resonated with so many readers, this novel reminds us that immigrant stories are all of our stories. Referred to as a sweeping tour de force and remarkable debut, this story crosses borders and generations as, as it explores the complexities of immigration through stories of mothers and daughters. The roots of the generation this ambitious story tells spans five generations, four countries, and two families. One is Cuban-American and one is Salvadorian, and the story depicts the way their lives become intertwined and examines historical forces, family forces, and the secrets that shape each of the lives of these individuals. A former migrant rights organizer, Gabriela Garcia shines a light on the struggles of women and children in detention, those families at the center of a national conversation. The author tries to show there's not one universal immigrant experience, and sadly, there isn't always a happy ending. 
So the appeal factors in this one for fans of Hispanic fiction, of family sagas, and even more specifically of mothers and daughters relationships, and people who love thought-provoking reads, uh, as well as those who are drawn to stories that span across different timelines and locales. The second recommendation I'd like to share with you is The Other Black Girl by Zayika Delilah Harris. Zayika Delilah Harris spent nearly three years in editorial at Knopf Doubleday before leaving to write her debut novel, The Other Black Girl, which I have right here and has a beautiful cover with some shimmering uh, blue. Prior uh, to working in publishing, Zayika received her MFA in creative writing from the New School. Her essays and book reviews have appeared in Cosmopolitan, Guernica, and The Rumpus. She lives in Brooklyn. You'll get a more in-depth account of her story when I interview her uh, in late August. So stay tuned for that, please. Here's a synopsis of the book. 26-year-old editorial assistant Nella Rogers is tired of being the only Black employee at Wagner Books. Fed up with the isolation and microaggressions, she's thrilled when Harlem-born and bred Hazel starts working in the cubicle beside hers. They've only just started comparing natural hair care regimes, regimens, I'm sorry, uh, though, when a string of un uncomfortable events elevates Hazel to office darling and Nella is left in the dust. Uh, then the notes begin to appear on Nella's desk, leave Wagner now. It's hard to believe Hazel is behind these hostile messages, but as Nella starts to spiral and obsess over the sinister forces at play, she soon realizes that there's a lot more at stake than just her career. An instant New York Times bestseller, a Good Morning America Esquire and Read with Marie-Claire book club pick, and a People Best Book of the Summer, named a most anticipated book of 2021 by Time, The Washington Post, Harper's Bazaar, Entertainment Weekly, Marie-Claire, Bustle, BuzzFeed, Parade, Goodreads, Fortune, and BBC. Described as Get Out, meets The Devil Wears Prada. This electric debut is about the tension that unfurls when two young Black women meet against the starkly white backdrop of New York City book publishing. So the appeal factors for this one for fans of sharp wit, timely subject matters, those interested in reading about the complexities surrounding how to achieve diversity in the workplace and what that even means, those interested in women's lives and relationships, and those wanting to discover Black authors. The third recommendation I'd like to share with you today is Things I Learned from Falling by Claire Nelson. I have right here. Claire Nelson is a New Zealand-born writer who has spent more than a decade in London working in food and travel journalism, including more than five years at Jamie Oliver's magazine. She's also written for Elle, Food and Travel, Trek and Mountain, Lodestar Anthology, and WestJet Canada. Things I Learned from Falling is her first book. 
You'll get a more in-depth account of this story as well when I interview this author in August, on August 11th. In 2018, writer Claire Nelson made international headlines when she fell over 25 feet after wandering off the trail in a deserted corner of Joshua Tree National Park. The fall shattered her pelvis, rendering her completely immobile. There, Claire lay for the next four days, surrounded by boulders that muffled her cries for help, but exposed her to the relentless California sun above. Her rescuers had not expected to find her alive. In Things I Learned from Falling, Claire tells not only her story of surviving, but also her story of falling. What led the successful 30-something to a desert trail on the other side of the globe from her home, where no one knew she would be that day. At once, the unbelievable story of an impossible event and the human journey of a young woman wrestling with the agitation of past and anxiety of future. The appeal factors for this one, so I would say it's for fans of memoirs and first-person account stories, for those who enjoy adventure and soul-searching stories, as well as those who love stories that inspire us to be courageous and self-reflective. So the fourth novel now I'd like to share with you is by Taylor Jenkins Reid, and it is called Malibu Rising. Taylor Jenkins Reid is the author of the New York Times bestselling novels, Malibu Rising, Daisy Jones and the Six, and The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, as well as One True Loves, Maybe in Another Life, After I Do, and Forever Interrupted. Her books have been chosen by Reese Witherspoon's Book Club, Read with Jenna, Indie Next, Best of Amazon, and Book of the Month. Her novel Daisy and, the, and Daisy Jones, I'm sorry, and the Six, is currently being adapted by Hello Sunshine into a limited series for Amazon. She lives in Los Angeles. Here's a synopsis of Malibu Rising. Malibu, August 1983. It's the day of Nina Riva's annual end of summer party, and anticipation is at a fever pitch. Everyone wants to be around the famous Rivas. Nina, the talented surfer and supermodel, brothers Jay and Hud, one a championship surfer, the other a renowned photographer, and their adored baby sister, Kit. Together, the siblings are a source of fascination in Malibu and the world over, especially as the offspring of the legendary singer, Mick Riva. The only person not looking forward to the party this year is Nina herself, who never wanted to be the center of attention and who has just been very publicly abandoned by her pro tennis player husband. Oh, and maybe Hutt, because it is long past time to confess something to confess something to the brother from whom he's been inseparable since birth. Jay, on the other hand, is counting the minutes until nightfall when the girl he can't stop thinking about promised she will be there. The story in a nutshell is about four famous siblings uh, who throw an epic party to celebrate the end of the summer. But over the course of 24 hours, their lives will change forever. It's a story about one unforgettable night in the life of a family, the night that each have to choose 
what they will keep from the people who made them and what they will leave behind. The appeal factors for this one, I would say it's for fans of family sagas, of upbeat and quirky writing, of everything to do with California, and of stories that switch back and forth from the past to the present. Also of stories that examine family relationships and shed light on the different personality traits and relationships between siblings. Um, so another, another couple of great summer reads that I'd like to suggest. I did interview the authors, but some of you may have missed them. Uh, so one of them would be Lucky by Marissa Staffley. Lucky Armstrong is a tough, talented grifter who has just pulled off a million-dollar heist with her boyfriend, Carrie. She's ready to start a brand new life with a new identity when things go sideways. Lucky finds herself alone for the first time navigating the world without the help of either her father or her boyfriend, the two figures from whom she's learned the art of the scam. When she discovers that a lottery ticket she bought on a whim is worth millions, her elation is tempered by one big problem. Cashing in a winning ticket means the police will arrest her for her crimes. She'll go to prison with no chance to redeem her fortune. So a great read. If you haven't picked it up yet, please put your name down on the list for it. Um, and the other one that I felt was very summery, and I don't have it in front of me now, but it's Good Company by Cynthia uh, Dapri-Sweeney. Uh, so Flora Mancini has been happily married for more than 20 years, but everything she thought she knew about herself her marriage and her relationships with her best friend, Margot, is upended when she stumbles upon an envelope containing her husband's wedding ring. The one that he claimed he lost one summer when their daughter, their daughter Ruby, was only five years old. Flora and Julian struggled for years, scraping together just enough acting work to raise Ruby in Manhattan and keep Julian's small theater company, Good Company, afloat. A move to Los Angeles brought their first real career successes, a chance to breathe easier, and a reunion with Margot, now a bona fide television star. But has their new life been built on lies? What happened that summer all those years ago, and what happens now? So a great one, a good company. If you haven't read it, uh, definitely put your name down for that one. And uh, Jen gave a few of recommendations, not the same ones, but if you are also a fan of historical fiction, uh, the ones that I would recommend um, are, the first one would be the one by Kristen Harmel, The Book of Lost Names. Inspired by an astonishing true story from World War II, a young woman with a talented with a talent for forgery, I'm sorry, uh, helps hundreds of Jewish children flee the Nazis in this unforgettable historical novel. And there's a beautiful love story at the center of it. The next one uh, is by Julia Kelly. It's The Last Garden in England. Reminiscent of Kate Morton's The Lake House and Kristen Harmel's The Room on Rue Amelie, the Last Garden in England explores the connections that cross time and the special places that bring people together forever. As always, Julia's highly researched novel provides rich historical details that promise to transport 
the reader. And the last one that I will share with you today to also give our colleague Marit some time uh, is by Jennifer Robson and it is called Our Darkest Night. It is the autumn of 1943 and life is becoming increasingly perilous for Italian Jews like the Mason family. With Nazi Germany now occupying most of her beloved homeland and the threat of imprisonment and deportation growing ever more certain, Nina has but one hope to survive. She must leave Venice and her beloved parents and hide in the countryside with a man she has only just met. So a beautifully written, uh, painstakingly researched novel, definitely the Jennifer Robson book, Our, Di Our Darkest Night, I recommend. Uh, thank you so much. And now I will pass it over to Marait. Thank you. Okay, hello everyone. Thank you, Danielle. Uh, for those who don't know you know me, my name is Maraid, and I am the collections coordinator here at the library. Um, my favorite genres of books are romance, thrillers, and YA or teen romances. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. Let's get started. The first book on my list is Crazy Stupid Romance by Lisa K. Adams. Sorry, let me change the screen. Uh, this is the third installment in the Bromance Book Club series. In it, Alexis Carlyle and her cat cafe Toe Beans have shot to fame after she came forward as a victim of a celebrity's sexual harassment. When a new customer approaches to confide in her, the last thing Alexis expects is for the woman to claim they are sisters. Unsure what to do, Alexis turns to the only man she trusts, her best friend, Noah Logan. Computer genius Noah left his rebellious teenage hacker past behind to become a computer security expert. Now he only uses his old skills for the right cause. But Noah's got a secret. He's madly in love with Alexis. When she asks for his help, he wonders if the timing will ever be right to confess his crush. Noah's pals in the Bromance Book Club are more than willing to share their beloved manuals to help him go from bud to boyfriend. But he must decide if telling the truth is worth, is worth risking the best friendship he's ever had. Crazy Stupid Romance is a sweet friends to lover romance. It is also book four, uh, sorry, book four in the series, uh, which is the book after this one, Isn't It Romantic is coming out later this month. My second book is What You Wish For by Catherine Center. In it, Samantha Casey is a school librarian who loves her job, the kids, and her school family with passion and joy for living. But she wasn't always that way. Duncan Carpenter is the new school principal who lives by rules and regulations, guided by the knowledge that bad things can happen. But he wasn't always that way. And Sam knows it because she knew him before at another school in a different life. Back then she loved him, but she was invisible. To him, to everyone, even to herself. She escaped to a new school, a new job, a new chance at living. But when Duncan, of all people, gets hired as the new principal there, it feels like the best thing that could possibly happen to the school and the worst thing that could possibly happen to Sam. Until the opposite turns out to be true. The lovable Duncan she'd known is now a suit-wearing, rule-enforcing, tough guy, so hell-bent on protecting the school that he's willing to destroy it. As the community 
spirals into chaos and danger from all corners looms large, Sam and Duncan must find their way to who they really are, what it means to be brave and how to take a chance on love, which is the riskiest move of all. Catherine Center is an author that always makes it on my list. Her books make me feel warm and fuzzy. They really are a feel good read. She has been described as the reigning queen of comfort reads. The Lost Husband, one of Catherine's older books, was recently made into a Netflix movie starring Josh Duhamel. For my next book, we have The Bounty by Janet Ivanovich and Steve Hamilton. This is the seventh title in the Fox O'Hare series. FBI agent Kate O'Hare and charming conman Nick Fox race against time to uncover a buried train filled with Nazi gold. Straight as an arrow, special agent Kate O'Hare and international conman Nick Fox have brought down some of the biggest criminals out there, but now they face their most dangerous foe yet, a vast shadowy international organization known as the Brotherhood. Directly descended from the Vatican bank priests who served Hitler during World War II, the Brotherhood is on a frantic search for a lost train loaded with 30 billion in Nazi gold untouched for over 75 years, somewhere in the mountains of Eastern Europe. Kate and Nick know that there is only one man who could find the fortune and bring down the Brotherhood. The same man who taught Nick everything he knows, his father, Quinton. As the stakes get higher, they must also rely on Kate's own father, Jake, who shares his daughter's grit and stubbornness. Too bad they can never agree on anything. From a remote monastery in the Swiss Alps to the lawless desert of the Western Sahara, Kate, Nick, and the two men who made them who they are today must, must crisscross the world in a desperate scramble to stop their deadliest foe in the biggest adventure of their lives. My next title is a nonfiction book by Crystal, Christopher McDougall. Running with Sherman is a heartwarming story about training a rescue donkey to run one of the most challenging races in America. When Chris McDougall agreed to take in a donkey from an animal hoarder, he thought he would, it would be no harder than the rest of the adjustments he and his family had made after moving from Philadelphia to the heart of Pennsylvania Amish country. But when he arrived, Sherman was in such bad shape he could barely move and his hair was coming out in clumps. Chris decided to undertake a radical rehabilitation program designed not only to heal Sherman's body, but to heal his mind as well. It turns out the best way to sue the donkey is to give it a job. And so Chris decided to teach Sherman how to run. He heard about burrow racing, a unique type of race where humans and donkeys run together in a callback to mining days, and decided he and Sherman would enter the world championship in Colorado. Easier said than done. In the course of Sherman's training, Chris would have to recruit several other runners, both human and equine, and call upon the wisdom of borough racers, goat farmers, Amish running club members, members, and a group of irrepressible female long haul truckers. Along the way, he shows us the life-changing power of animals, nature, and community. It has been said that Christopher McDougall's writing is dramatic, light, fast-paced, and enthralling. He knows exactly how to hook his readers, and he definitely achieved that with Running with Sherman. And of course, as you see on the screen, who could resist Sherman's adorable face? So my next two titles are some YA titles. The first one is The Upside of Falling, a young adult book by Canadian author Alex Light. 
It has been years since 17-year-old Becca Hart believed in true love. But when her former best friend teases her for not having a boyfriend, Becca impulsively pretends she's been secretly seeing someone. Brett Wells has it all. Being captain of the football team and one of the most popular guys in school, he should have no problem finding someone to date. But he's always been more focused on his future than who to bring to prom. When he overhears Becca's lie, Brett decides to step in and be her mystery guy. It's the perfect solution. He gets people off his back for not dating, and she can keep up the ruse. Acting with the perfect couple isn't easy, though, especially when you barely know the other person. But with Becca still picking up the pieces from when her world was blown apart years ago, and Brett just barely holding his together now, they begin to realize they have more in common than they ever could have imagined. When the line between real and pretend begins to blur, they are forced to answer the question, is this fake romance the realest thing in either of their lives? The Upside of Falling is an entertaining, light, and fun novel about a fake relationship turned into a real romance. Nonetheless, it is not all fluff. It also covers serious family themes that include cheating, delinquent parenting, and divorce. This is Alex Light's first novel, and her second novel will come out in 2020, which I am eagerly awaiting. My next pick is Kate in Waiting by Becky Abertalli. Um, Becky Abertalli is one of my favorite YA authors, and she never fails to draw me in. So contrary to popular belief, best friends Kate Garfield and Anderson Walker are not codependent. Carpooling to and from theater rehearsals? Environmentally sound and efficient. Consulting each other on every life decision? Basic good judgment. Pining for the same guys from afar? Shared crushes are more fun anyways. But when Kate and Andy's latest long-distance crush shows up at their school, everything goes off script. Matt Olson is talented and sweet, and Kate likes him. She really likes him. The only problem? So does Anderson. Turns out communal crushes aren't so fun when real feelings are involved. This one might even bring the curtains down on Kate and Anderson's relationship. Sorry, I went too fast there. So the next uh, titles on my list are books that I have not yet read, but they are on my to-be-read list, which um, I'm sure all of you have one, and it is gets longer every, every day. So the first one on my list is Rosalind Parker Takes the Cake by Alexis Hall. This is a delicious romantic comedy by the best-selling author of Boyfriend Material, perfect for fans of Christina Lauren and Abby Jimenez. Boyfriend Material, which was the book before this one, uh, written by Alexis Hall, got my vote for best book of 2020. The next one on my to be read, uh, to be read list is Yes, I Love You by Ronnie Loring. Um, yes, I Love You is a complex story with lots of heat. Um, a woman who's battling her anxiety, a man who seems to be good to be true, and a sizzling connection built over sweltering New, York, New Orleans nights and an emotional climax that will have them both bearing it all. In Anne of Manhattan by Brenna Starler, Lucy Mon Montgomery's classic tale, Anne of Green Gables, gets a romantic, charming, and hilarious modern adaptation set in New York City. NPR says, if you grew up reading Anne of Green Gables, you won't want to miss Brenna Starler's Anne of Manhattan, a contemporary retelling of the classic love story. Starler brings in many of the high points of the original series, and she delivers the snap and spark between Anne and Gilbert, as well as his slow burn love for Anne. Like the original, this isn't a story of two people falling in love. 
It's about two people realizing they've been in love the whole darn time. Next pick. A lone astronaut must save the Earth from disaster in this incredible new science-based thriller. Part scientific mystery, part dazzling interstellar journey, Project Hail Mary is a tale of discovery, speculation, and survival, while taking us to places it never dreamed of going. The author, Andy Weir, is the best-selling author of The Martian, which was made into the film starring Matt Damon and was highly successful. The next one, the New York Times best-selling writer duo of the Honeymooners return with a witty and effervescent novel about what happens when two people with everything on the line are thrown together by silent science, or is it fate? Soulmate Equation by Christina Lauren is perfect for fans of The Rosie Project and One Plus One. My next few titles are young adult titles. Here's Becky Abertali again. In Here's to Us, Becky Abertali and Adam Silvera reunite to continue the story of Arthur and Ben, the boys readers first fell in love with in the New York Times bestselling rom-com, What If It's Us. Here's to Us will be released in December, so if you haven't had a chance to read What If It's Us, which is the first book, you have time to catch up on this lovely story. Number one, New York Times bestselling author of Everything, Everything, and The Sun is Also a Star, both of which were made into successful films. Nicola Yoon is back with her eagerly anticipated third novel, Instructions for Dancing. With all the heart and hope of her last two books, this is an utterly unique romance. And a fun fact, Nicola Yoon's husband is bestselling author David Yoon, author of the newly released version Zero, which we also have at the library. And the last book on my to-be-read list is Faux, A Faux Love Story by Lone Lee. In this funny, smart, romantic comedy, two Vietnamese-American teens fall in love and must navigate their newfound relationship amid their family's age-old feud about their competing neighborhood restaurants. So that is the end of my list. But before I go, I just wanted to mention that if you like a good romance as much as I do, we have a romance book club at the library called Between the Covers. We meet the last Monday of the month and our next meeting is in August. So if you're interested in putting a little more romance into your life, you can email me at mstevenson at coatsaintluke.org and I will get back to you. Thank you. Thank you to all of our panelists. Um, I'll just wait for everyone to come back on screen. There we are. Thank you to all the panelists. Uh, I don't know why, Marie, but running with Sherman certainly warmed my heart. Maybe it's that <laughs> lovely face on there that I just, it was so cute. You cannot and... <laughs> really resist Sherman's cute little face. I, I fell in love with him. It was certainly, uh, yeah, very, very heartwarming. And I think the other black girl promises to be something delicious and scandalous that I, I think I'd like to take a crack at this summer. Um, hopefully you've enjoyed some of the picks that we presented to you today. Uh, if you have any questions, we'd be happy to take a few moments right now and take some of them. If anyone has put something into the chat or you want to raise your hand and ask us any of the questions.
there's a raised hand. Uh, Toby, please unmute yourself and ask your question. Hi, I enjoyed listening to all your uh, recommendations. And as you were giving them, I was filling them out on the library. <laughs> and I noticed there are three of them that aren't there. Oh. Says they're not in the library. Soulmate equation. Uh, things I learned from falling and the Chanel sisters. Soulmate uh, equation is definitely at the library. Um, I believe I have the, the library copy at my house. So well, that's probably why. It's yeah. definitely in there, though. Okay. Well, it's in yeah. there, but okay. I'll, I'll, I'll keep trying. The Chanel sisters is there because I just picked it up yesterday. Right. Yeah. But and to Toby, I'll make sure that the library orders this one as well. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Toby. Uh, there is a there is two questions. Marcy is asking, will you send a list of books to everyone who wants it? Uh, yes. So regarding the list of titles, uh, I know because we gave you we gave you so many today. You can reach out to the reference desk. You can call them, and we can email you the lists. That way, it would be probably be a lot faster because I don't think we have everyone's email who's here with us today. Okay, and you answered the second question because it was uh, the same thing. <laughs> uh, I see uh, another question. Roseanne, uh, please ask your question to the ladies. Unmute yourself and ask a question, please. Can you hear me? Yes, Rosanna. Yes. Okay. Um, are is are any of these books in uh, large print? Uh, we'd have to check. Some of them are very new, so they may not be published in large type yet. Um, if you have a recommendation, or if there's certain ones that you would like us to have in large type, you can uh, you know drop us a line at the reference desk. Um, and you can let us know if there's something specific that you're looking for. Generally speaking, we do try and get everything that we possibly can in large type, certainly stuff that's bestseller or most popular, but sometimes it's not always published in large type. Okay, thank you. Uh, Carol Blank is asking, uh, she says, had to join late, but wondering if there's a list coming out so we can put them on hold. You answered that question. Then she says, great session as usual. Thanks, ladies. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. We try and make it interesting, a little bit spicy, a little bit different, and a bit of razzle-dazzle, trying something to like inspire, especially it's been a very challenging year. Hopefully with the reads that we've given you, there's enough of everything in there, some light stuff, some heartwarming things, some things that are a little bit more meaty, uh, something for everybody. I think I think that's it. Uh, Carol's asking again. Oh. Uh, she's asking another question. Is are any titles available on Hoopla? Ooh, that's a good question. I'd have to check. 
I'm not sure, to be honest with you, Carol, I'm not quite sure yet. Some of the ones maybe that are more popular, maybe. Uh, some of the ones that are just newly released, may, uh, I'm not entirely sure. We'd have to check. We can check and get back to you. I don't see anything else, ladies. Okay. Well, if that's if those are all the questions, thank you for joining us today. Again, you can contact the reference desk. We'll be happy to share the list with titles that we reviewed with you today. Please uh, check our catalog. Put yourself on hold. Uh, some of these, up until very recently, only had maybe one or two people waiting for them. So uh, you can maybe get them really, really early and enjoy some uh, interesting and diverse and engaging summer reading. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.